This is Inbound, the podcast edition. Recruiter, you didn't sign up for a world where you spend all day in the DMs of strangers. You're ignored, rejected. Those people don't know you. That's about to change. This is Inbound, the show that transforms the way you hire. Hey, this is Nathan. Welcome to episode one of Inbound. This episode is focusing on the mindset and the use cases for launching a podcast within your talent acquisition team. I am excited to be joined by Agnes Billick. Agnes is a podcast professional. She has proven to help various entrepreneurs and companies to drive bigger audiences by creating and distributing podcasts on small and large budgets. So hopefully you enjoy the show. This is episode one. Welcome to Inbound. Agnes, welcome to the show. How are you feeling? Hey, Nate. I'm very excited to dive into it and hope we can produce some value for your audience and come up with some good knowledge for all the talent acquisition leaders out there. Yeah, me too. Me too. So we've been we've been talking about this, this series for a while. It's going to be around maybe eight to 10 episodes to really get into the tactical advice that people need. So I think there's a lot of advice out there that exists when people talk about just launching a podcast it's it's very kind of surface level stuff isn't it it doesn't really have much depth and i think we want to try and we want to try and tackle that problem because there are some real positives and there's some real hard work that go into into launching podcasts to be successful and and that's all great but it's it's also very hard isn't it like from your experience i guess you've seen plenty of podcasts that that start maybe record four episodes and then and then give up on occasions and, and I've seen that as well. And, and I think it's really, really important that for episode one, we really set the scene on the mindset that TA teams need if they're going into this to make it successful, because this has never been a, a short-term play to, to attract talent and to start filling up talent pipelines, has it? Yeah, I fully agree. And in my opinion, you have to treat a podcast pretty much like its own business, because in the end for a business, you develop a strategy you develop a long-term plan of what the idea behind it is and what you want to achieve, right? And a podcast, you have to treat exactly the same way. So once you have the strategy and you know why exactly you're doing this, it's going to be very easy to keep going because you know exactly when you want to get out of it. Yeah, for sure. I think that the biggest mistake I see when, when brands go into this and the mindset that they usually take is typically or or the reason these things maybe don't last the course and and don't exist for a long time or maybe like episodes become a little bit inconsistent they maybe start once every week and then it becomes once every two weeks and it becomes once every six years the reason for that happening is because they fail to fully understand that you cannot attribute direct leads through a podcast a lot of the time and so things will be happening and if the distribution is correct people will be listening to the podcast and they and they will be consuming the content and become more aware of the brand and the opportunities if it's a ta team the opportunities that exist within businesses but you just have to be i think the first thing that i take away from this is you have to have a level of patience to actually do this and you have to have other attraction mechanisms working So when you do launch a podcast, it isn't going to affect the volume of hires that you're making. So you can genuinely come into this on the basis of, look, start small and then start building it up over time. And it's not going to start sending your hiring numbers like down through the floor. 
Yeah, so if you look at it at a marketing department of a bigger company, they all work very data-driven, which is great. But obviously, they're going to break down every episode of the podcast and they're going to see how many messages they received, how many shares they received on social media for each post. And in the end, it's not going to be a lot for most companies. If we look at a company like Microsoft or Amazon, they have a huge audience And they're going to receive immediately a lot of messages because they already have a lot of brand awareness. And it's exactly the same if, you know, a company that no one knows a startup is starting a podcast, they're not going to receive a lot of attention in the beginning because no one knows them. So the success of your podcast depends also on the fact how big your audience is. And that makes a lot of sense, right? Because also if we talk, if we take a look at actors, why are they paid so much money? Because they're already known and they already have an audience. So when, for example, Brené Brown started a podcast, she already had like millions of followers. So she had millions of downloads in the beginning. And that's the same thing for a company and a brand. And that's something to keep in mind, which means that Audience building takes time as well as brand awareness. So you really have to be patient with it. And there's going to be a lot of benefits, but you won't be able to measure them in the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the the core benefits that I've seen, just as a side note, we obviously run the content recruiter pod. One of the core benefits that I've seen is, is the connections that you make, but also the advocacy that comes from those connections over time that you start to get tagged in more and more posts on LinkedIn from people that are listening to the pod and just want to recommend it to their network and and the amplification of that stuff even the softer stuff that doesn't necessarily drive direct business outcomes creates more awareness that actually just matters like it's just a, a nice indicator that actually the pod is going in the right direction and we should we should keep doing what we're we're doing number of listens are, are going up number of shares are going up and, and and more mentions in in social feeds are always pretty good indicators from my perspective that this thing this thing is starting to work we kind of boiled this down to three reasons why um podcasting could be useful for ta teams and you phrased one of those reasons really, really well. And that was to become a talent a talent destination. So presumably this is where companies would look at either putting their recruiters or their subject experts on a podcast, on a, on a company branded podcast to either sell maybe projects to a direct audience or the engineering team might run a, a weekly session on like what's happening and what they're building or their senior leadership team might talk more about the that values led stuff and where the business is heading in a, in a direction. And then the recruitment team can use that content to then distribute when they're going cold outbound to, to talent. So um, creating and, the and talent destination is interesting. And let's look at that for one second, because if I'm a potential candidate and then I hear the leadership team speaking about their challenges that they're facing currently and how business is going, then I already build a relationship with the leadership team. I hear their voice, I hear their opinions, and that's a big basis for trust. So it's going to be way more like I feel like I'm talking to a friend when I'm in a conversation with a company than if you don't have that medium. And that can be very powerful and that can put you on top of other companies. Yeah, absolutely. And and so what's your perspective on this? Obviously, companies have got different hiring challenges. It's, you know, if, if a company struggles to hiring for their engineering team, for example, 
it could be worth creating a podcast talking about very specific engineering topics and maybe some of the solutions to those topics and slowly start to introduce the key people in, in those teams to, to candidates outside of the, or potential candidates outside of the business. Would you take the view of go and find your recruitment pain today? Like, what is it? And then build a podcast around that specific problem? Or would you go broader and talk about more of the business stuff? Or, or is it not really a kind of right and wrong answer to it? I think it all depends on what you want to get out of it, right? Mm. But if you're having difficulties recruiting engineers and you have a very strong focus on technical positions, then I would definitely go down that route. And in the end, if you have a good sympathetic engineer who can tell a little bit of stories about the team, that's very special because people like to listen to stories and then you're building a brand for this person if you're talking on a podcast and people admire that and that's special. Yeah. And you know what really intrigues me about this model is that it intrigues me about how a recruiter's role could actually change in the future in terms of if they start getting involved in this like pre-production, post-production stuff with subject experts inside of the business, start to figure out which platforms are most efficient, start to embed those micro clips into their outreach. And <clears throat> I feel like the term community is, is right. I feel like it's like overused now and, and everyone's talking about building communities and I feel like the very crux of the problem that recruiters have today is that their outreach messages generally go straight to the, the outcome that the recruiter wants to drive. So it's usually, hey, you want a job. And there's very few places to go from that if you don't get a response or the candidate just says no. I yes. mean, they're not even a candidate at that stage, are they? So a podcast is a really, really good way of building attention without selling. And naturally, you would expect that if the people listening to it like the message, they will they will start to find their own way to the key people in the business and then ultimately the careers page. Yes. I do, do you find I, that? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Nice. And that's also a great way to engage talent pools. Yeah. Well, and that's a really good shout because... We, we covered talent destination. The second one um, was talent pools and talent communities, wasn't it? Which is another model that I think is potentially the most overlooked lever that recruitment teams can pull today in terms of how they engage people that are unsuccessful in getting a role at their business. And podcasts could be the vehicle to deliver messages at scale to the people that you either can't hire right now or the people that aren't actively on the market but maybe want to join your talent pool because you're talking about industry-based stuff. I go back, I go to like industries like fintech in my mind, where if you had a leader or a subject expert, how cool would it be to have a podcast for your talent pool run by a subject expert in fintech speaking directly to the market? Yes. And how powerful is it if I'm currently looking for a CTO and I just go out there and interview all CDOs in the industry? Yeah. And if I reach out to them and I ask them if they want to be part of this podcast, chances are very high that they're going to say yes. And especially if I start with some of the ones that I already maybe know, and then I will have something to show for 
the cold ones that I'm going to approach, right? Yeah, there was a really interesting tip that that is, I think, a really really cool tactic to to implement. Go and interview the people that you potentially want to hire in the future. I saw a really interesting tactic from a, a guy who also runs podcasts, who then took it a level further and said, "Then go and create like a." mastermind circle type initiative where you get those people in a community and you just give away like almost elite level content and you create a little hub of, of leaders who then like are naturally advocating for your outside of the business which is which is pretty interesting and, and often these things are focused on timing because if you build a relationship with let's say a cto through different cycles, like sometimes the CEO changes or you're being acquired or who knows what else is going on. And based on these cycles in the business, people are experiencing different emotions. And, you know, if you're just, for example, were acquired and you don't like the culture anymore, then you're way more likely to switch. And it's very important to stay in touch with these potential candidates that you'd like to attract and talk to them at the right time. Nice. The final thing we added, the third reason why I think TA teams and you as well should launch a podcast is something that I think is also overlooked. But when you consider the amount of hiring managers in, inside of a business, even kind of medium-sized companies, plus the leadership team that want updates, I think a podcast could be a really cool way of just driving internal conversations. Yeah, for sure. I fully agree with that. Like, could you imagine being a hiring manager and hearing the very specific updates on your engineering hiring for the month, but sharing that with it, like as a way of being really transparent and getting the granular detail up to your leadership team who potentially in a board meeting don't really have the time to talk about granular stuff, but on a podcast, they might listen to it for half an hour be like, you know what, they're telling us about the technology that they've added and they're telling us why it's going to be important. And I think that will build immense trust with the hiring managers and the leadership team inside of a business. So when we talk about podcasts for TA, it's not just about attraction. It could be about, it could be about that as well, which I think is quite an underrated channel that companies should look at. So Agnes, what are the, the fundamental reasons why podcasts usually fail? What are the three things you'd say that companies get wrong? So the first one, I would say that they're impatient, that they expect immediate results and they are only willing to give it maybe half a year, whereas sometimes it takes two years so that it's really successful and you see more results. And that's one of the biggest. The second one is that People think it's going to cost a lot of money to do this. But in the end, you can easily start a podcast with a small budget. You can get a microphone for $100 from Amazon. And you can outsource editing via cheap platforms like Fiverr or Upwork, which we'll go more into on a separate episode. And the third one is especially to be willing to fail, right? Because in a corporate or generally, I think in, in companies, people are often afraid to fail. They're afraid to make mistakes. They're afraid to talk to their manager 
about something that wasn't perfect. And that's definitely something that you'd have to change when you start a podcast, because in the beginning, you won't be the perfect host. You'll make a lot of mistakes by maybe not hitting record and, you know, having to contact the guests again to record another time. And there will be a lot of things that will go wrong and you can't do anything about it, but you just have to be okay with it. And you have to accept that you're going to grow and you're going to improve and you're going to get better and it's going to be amazing. And if you keep that mindset, I think it's a mindset for life. It's going to be for sure a success. It's a really interesting way of building good habits, isn't it? When you are at least being consistent with something that you know probably isn't going to move very quickly. That's a really, really good way of, of building up those positive habits. So episode two of Inbound Talent is going to be focusing on more in-depth tools that you might want to consider when the podcast starts to, to grow. But just for context, the podcast that we have, the content recruiter has, it's recorded on Zoom, which is, I think, you know, £15 a month for a pro license. So it's it's not a lot. We've got, you got a Blue Yeti mic, which was 120 quid. And we've got access to Filmora because we actually edit it ourselves. We're going to be outsourcing these episodes because there's more velocity and content flowing through. But we actually edit it on Filmora, which costs less than £100 for the year as well for a license. And so, yeah, it's less than, you know, a couple of hundred quid for the, maybe a bit more. But in terms of like cost and investment, what you get out of it and the and the visibility and, and the awareness that it can drive if you distribute it correctly, which is another big topic in this series around distribution and how that, how important that is. The success you can get from this for a relatively low input price-wise is, is massive. So in episode two, we're going to cover the basic tools that companies can use alongside the, the things we mentioned there. And uh, as always, if you have any questions for Agnes, you can reach her on LinkedIn. I'll include a, a link below or you can contact her on the form directly. Hey, this is Nathan. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you're listening or watching to this episode. All of the content we create at Imbalance is going to be available directly through hiringimbalance.com. I'm going to be distributing a lot of this stuff over at LinkedIn as well. So feel free to come find me, connect with me, uh, and let's make TA better.